while you're turning to Psalm 69, let me say welcome to, to uh, Maya. Good to have Maya and Patty. Good to have Noah, right? <laughs> Noah and Monica. <laughs> and a little answer to prayer. Praise God. <laughs> we are so blessed. Praise God for that. Psalm 69 is what we'll be looking at tonight. Like many of the Psalms, um, Psalm 69 is where David is, um, the way you should read this is David is modeling how God's people um, experience trouble and stress and distresses and how we should respond to them. So, what you see him speaking in this psalm is the model for us in, in our living, especially in trials. And this is appropriate uh, with our morning series of Job. And so we can see that the Word of God gives us, excuse me, gives us expression and instruction for how we can face troubles. I'm glad to know that because the Word of God just doesn't say, you know, just worship God and everything will go right with you. You'll be blessed. Where God knows that we're going to face some difficult times, and it, it prepares us for those and, and helps us uh, even in our expression during those times. So let's look at it. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I've come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. We ask ourselves the question, what is he talking about here? Is he really talking about a literal flood and waters that, that uh, he comes against? He is speaking of different types of issues and distresses that can come in our life. And you come here tonight with some of those in your life. And, and they can feel like a flood of waters. And they can feel like this situation. Whatever they are, uh, you have them in your life. And... and Basically saying God's people can be overcome in trouble. That's the feeling of a flood. You feel like the water is going to swallow me up. I'm going to drown. I'm going to die in this flood. It's more than I can handle. I've had instances of, of flooding uh, in my basement. You walk on there and you go, whoa, that, my whole foot is covered in water. Where is it coming from? Where is it going to go? I've had a situation of being in a swimming pool and uh, having, having to be rescued uh, by a lifeguard. And I was just this far away from the edge. I was trying to do this drill, and that's another story. But um, you feel like you are so close but so far away, and you're drowning in your trouble. And so... Um, the Word of God expresses that believers can feel like that. And so you may feel like that. He tells us how we can deal with that. So verses 1 through 5, we see we can be overcome in our trouble. And what happens? He says, verse 3, I am weary with my crying out. Well, we should cry out to God in our troubles. And that sounds so simple. But people will run to another person, and, and if they run to me, I want to ask, have you? Have you prayed? Have you asked God about this? Um, expressing that to the Lord in prayer. And sometimes we're so frantic, that's, that's the last thing we, we do is go to God. We, 
We're just so caught up in this trouble, we forget sometimes to cry out to God. And sometimes when we do cry out to God, um, we feel like we're speaking over and over and we wonder, is he hearing us? He says, my, my, my uh, throat is parched from crying out. I've cried out so long. And my eyes grow dim with waiting for God, he says. And so there's a sense of, of uh, being impatient. Uh, with God moving and working in our particular situation. That's a common uh, experience for God's people. And so the psalmist is letting us know he felt that as well. Um, some of our trouble that we're in it, as God's people is because of our own fault or because of our own sin. And he says in verse 4, um, more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Now, he expressing the trouble, we, we, the two types of trouble. The first one I mentioned. The second one is this, is that we're hated without cause. There's a trouble that comes with living out your faith. Being a believer, you're going to run into uh, distresses simply because you are doing what God would have you to do as a child of God. That's the first kind of trouble. He says, mighty are those who would destroy me and those who attack me with lies. So it's not legitimate things that they're saying, but lies. What did I now, what, what, what I did not steal, must I now restore? So there's the injustice done um, and an accusation of wrong. There's an attack by others. Um, and so those things can happen to us in our lives as believers. But look at the next verse. Oh, God, you know my folly. <laughs> the wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Some of our trouble comes from the life experiences and especially life as a believer. And some of our troubles come because of our own fault, our own sin. The good thing is, regardless of the source, God has solution for us. And that's good to know. So we can come to him um, with our um, in our troubles, and we can come to him for hope. Verse 6 is a common theme. You've heard it over and over again in Psalms. Let's read that together. Verse 6. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. If I take off the last phrase, through me, let not those who hope in you be put to shame. That's a common theme throughout the Psalms. Let those who trust in God not be ashamed. In other words, let them uh, uh, find that God is real. Let them experience God for real in their life. Now this throws a different uh, uh, twist on that common theme. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. And so the psalmist is, is saying, there's times when my sin can be a hindrance to other believers. And that's a sad thing. We need to be aware of that and be careful of that, that we live in community with other believers and that how we live impacts and affects them. Our wrong can hurt and, and, and wrongly or uh, sorely affect them. And so um, there may be something that we need to go to them about. But he's going to God and saying, I, don't, I, I, I hate that that's a part of my sin. I don't want to see that uh, happen. <clears throat> the 
Some distresses, as I mentioned, come because of life's trouble. Some distresses come because of our faith. In verse 7 through 12, he uh, expresses some of the things that happen simply because we decide to follow the Lord. Look at that. That's common in our lives. For, verse 7, for it is for your sake that I've borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I've become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's son. Um, Jesus says that when you follow him, sometimes there's going to be conflict with your, within your own family, mother against uh, son or father against son or daughter, uh, brother against sister sometimes. And those are some of the things that, that go with our walk with the Lord. But we can come to him for that too. We, he understands what it is that we're experiencing. Verse, all the way through verse 12 kind of points that out. Verse 9 where does this come from? For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Who was that said about? Sunday school answer. <laughs> Jesus. New Testament quotes this verse. The disciples looked at Jesus and they remembered. I think it was the occasion when he uh, was, was in a temple and he was... He was uh, uh, um, upset with those who were in the temple and not treating God's house with respect. And it was said of him, hey, I remember that this was said. This is a quote from, from this psalm. The zeal for your house has consumed me. So certainly it, it has in mind that we're in trouble sometimes because of simply doing what God has told us to do. Not, not necessarily our own wrong, but for living a life of faith. All right, so verses... Um, 7 through 12 kind of bear that out. Verse 13 through 18, we, in our trouble, we plead for God's deliverance. That's one of the reasons why we're here tonight, to pray. To plead for God's deliverance. So, you know, uh, your trouble may be financial. That's just the way life is. You got, you know, your check is this long, but your bills are this long, Right? <laughs> It may, that, may not be that you've mishandled money or stolen from anybody. It's just the way life is. Um, and, and so that, 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 that goes. It could be um, a physical thing that you're, you're suffering from. Um, it could be something that you had no control over, uh, just part of life. It could be something that you had control over. You didn't watch your health and didn't do things properly, didn't eat or exercise and take care of yourself. We have those troubles too. Um, but um, we, 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 can, we have a Lord who knows um, our situation and responds to us. So he cries out to God, um, he pleads with God for deliverance, verses 13 through 18. You can kind of browse through some of those verses. Um, in verse 19 through 21, again, we're picturing Christ here. Uh, as the psalmist gives the experience of God's people, we can see that experience worked out in Christ, and we see how Christ relates here or is even pictured here. Uh, read with me or just follow along with me. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I look for pity, 
but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Again, fulfilled on the cross when Christ uh, was thirsty, um, and, and they gave him sour wine to drink. And so uh, Jesus experienced the kinds of things that we experience in life. He was uh, a human like us. He felt pain and he suffered and he, he, uh, he was tired on a Wednesday night like we get tired on a Wednesday night. He had responsibilities uh, uh, um, that could, could burden him, responsibilities for his, his, his followers, his disciples, responsibilities for his own family, for uh, his mother and so forth. So uh, he, he, he knows what we experience and, and uh, some of the troubles that we get into. <coughs> Um, verse 22 through 28, in his distress, the psalmist prays for judgment for his, for his enemies. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and make their loins tremble continually. <laughs> Pour out your indignation upon them and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents for they persecute for they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. It's kind of a picture that, you know, when we have some trouble, sometimes God acts and, and steps in, but then you have the enemy that just kind of, you know, uh, pushes your head, your head in, in the dirt, so to speak. Uh, he tries to throw uh, uh, insult upon even God's discipline, and so... Um, the psalmist is crying out, Lord, you can take care of that. Vengeance is yours. You, you can handle those who wrongfully treat me. Um, it, it, it's kind of like when, when, when my kids were younger, I would discipline them, and uh, I wouldn't let somebody else tease them for being disciplined. If you did that, you got in trouble. And the psalmist is kind of saying, well, I was disciplining the Lord, but he's teasing me. He's taunting me. Get him. <laughs> and God says, I'll take care of him. I'll take care of them. Your, 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 your discipline, your walk is, is a matter that I'm concerned with, but I'll take care of others. <clears throat> Verse 29, he prays for himself. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. And then he promises to praise in verse 30 through 36. I think that's an important thing is that we make vows to the Lord. That's okay. That's good to make a vow. God expects us to keep it. God is not like man who just says, oh, okay, I know we all say things. It don't mean nothing. No, he says, you ought to mean what you say and say what you mean. Uh, he expects us to keep our vows to him. And so the psalmist makes a, a vow to praise the Lord. Verse 30, I will. Something I'm going to do in the future. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. We say that, then we ought to act on it. Remember that, you know, Saturday night when you're tempted to watch another rerun of that movie on TV instead of getting to bed on time or play another video game or whatever. I will praise. Let me prepare myself so I can do what I ought to do, what I vowed to do, and what I ought to, to I owe to God to do. And so he, he makes that vow all the way through verse 31 this will please the lord more than an ox what does he mean by that more than a sacrifice to do what you ought to do 
um, don't just make a public show of something. Do real and do what's right um, in your heart. And so the psalmist really expresses for us um, how we ought to, how we can respond to the issues in our life and, and have a right response. Continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, Not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Stuff that we get here. Hmm? Yep, we leave it here. Like this earth will be destroyed, right? How do you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? Money to the church? Being faithful to what he's given us? What does it mean? Our job, we have different work you can do. And people who do that work, they count on us to give them the money that that work requires. So they can do certain work, and they already know this will pay you $25. And if you do this, this will be $45. They know all those things in advance. And they count on that money. They do that work, and they count that money as as good as theirs because they know that's how the pay book works. How much do you think is worth coming to Sunday school? Do you think about that? How much do you think is worth being faithful and being on time? How much do you think is worth having a good attitude? How much do you think is worth the times when you're thinking something negative and then you ask God for forgiveness and you say, I'm not going to be thinking that anymore? How much do you think is worth to Pay attention to the sermon and not let your mind drift. How much do you think it's worth to study for your lesson when you could do a shortcut and just be done? The thing that I always think about is that God pays too. Just like my job, all the tasks and all the things have value and worth. They will be paid. But to the one who doesn't think they don't pay anything, he won't do it. I got a lot of people in my job, and I just tell them, hey, if you do this much each day, you've given yourself a raise. And they don't believe it, so they don't do it. I'm convinced that people who don't be faithful to the church don't believe that there's any good in doing it. 
It kind of connects to the next section, which may seem weird to us. But verse 22 and 23, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. What is he talking about? That's a good guess. Who else got a guess? What does it mean that the eye is a lamp of the body? Okay, it's what we view everything through. Okay. All right. Here's what it means is when you look at something, whatever that is, that is illuminating the rest of your mind, your heart, everything else. So you set your eyes on something, okay? You set your eyes on something that is good. Your rest of your spirit, your life will be illuminated. If you set your eyes on things that are dark, your life will be darkness. What are we looking at? That's basically what I'm saying. What are you looking at, right? Imagine that you are a person who lives to drink. What are you looking at? Right? You're looking at a bottle. And what do you talk about, right? You think about, man, I can't wait till Friday because when I get home on Friday, I'm going to get so drunk. You heard people like that? Who's heard people like that? All right? That's what they live for. What do you live for, right? What are you looking at? I know people who, I, I swear to you, they care more about the different things that they, they praying for in church than they ever do about Jesus. That house, that job, wife, husband, kid, politics. I've seen people put all their eyes on these different things. What are we looking at? What you look at, it shows the shape of the light that's in your heart. Some of the things we look at may be good, but if they're not God, is it a true light? Imagine somebody who worships the moon. Is the moon a good thing? I think the moon is a very good thing. I think the moon is one of the most beautiful things in the world but it's not worth worshiping. And we could be like that with many good things. If we look at them, we're worshiping them. Amen? Good evening, everybody. Tonight, let's just do a couple. We'll have two or three people pray who feels they want to. Just a prayer of praise for all the babies. We've been waiting for these three babies, and the three babies are here. And so just praise God. We'll just, however you feel led, but just praise God for the new lives he's given us, he's blessed his people with, um, the healthy um, babies and healthy mamas, that there was no complications or anything. Um, I'll close this up. Lord, we just come to you, and we just um, continue to just praise you. We praise you for blessing each of these families with uh, this new life. We know that each of these babies are a gift from you and that you have chosen them to 
be parents and to be godly parents, Lord. And we just thank you so much for that. We thank you for helping the babies to form and form healthy and keeping the mothers healthy through the pregnancy, Lord, and keeping them healthy through delivery and the babies are some healthy, strong babies, Lord. And we just praise you so much for that. We just always marvel at the gift of life that you're able to give um, to everyone on this earth, Lord. And we just thank you that much more for, you know, blessing your church family, Lord, because we really do appreciate where these lives come from and who who we give the glory to. It's not just uh, always a thing of nature to make more people, but we know it's a gift from you, and we know it's a huge calling to be a parent, to raise um, individuals, to be godly people, Lord, and point them to you, Lord, and we just praise you for that, and we just thank you so much for these gifts. In your name we pray. Amen.